B2B has the potential to be electrifying. But the industry is paralysed by a culture of conservatism. Scared stiff in a straitjacket of rational ideas. It's time for change. It's time to make B2B marketing visceral. Join us as we uncover and explore the truth with leading B2B marketers. This is B2B marketing, the provocative truth. Hello. Are we still just about good morning or is it good afternoon? But either way, very, very warm welcome to everybody joining us here on the keynote stage. Um, and a warm welcome to this particular panel discussion where we're going to be talking about marketing and sales alignment or has been wittily put down here a winning combination. So we will find out whether it is indeed a winning combination. Um, but before we get started, just some introductions. So very, very quickly, I'm Benny from um, B2B brand building agency, Alan. Um, and I'm just gonna do a very, very quick opportunity for you guys to introduce yourself, but keep it sub 15 seconds, please. So Freya, do you wanna just introduce yourself to the panel? Yeah, for sure. Hi everyone, so I'm Freya. I'm the Global Sales Director at Headley Media. We're a B2B technology lead generation company and I head up our sales and marketing uh, division. Lovely. I think that was 15 seconds, so don't disappoint in the... <laughs> well, I'll try. I'm very talkative, but I'll try and keep it short. Tom Boston, Sales Loft, used to be on the sales team. Now I'm on the marketing team. Across the divide. Right. And we've got a special guest late entrance in Alex. But Alex, do you want to give an introduction to yourself? Hey, everyone. Alex Wedderburn here, Strategic Director at Hootsuite. I'm the smiley face person on this screen here. This is my real face. Uh, and I work for a company called Hootsuite, a social media management platform. Nice. And last but not least, Julia. Hi, everyone. Very nice to be here. My name is Julia Pilkes, and I head up the EMEA marketing team at HubSpot. Wonderful, and I think that I also want to take the opportunity to recognize that this late entrance in Alex has given an unexpected but very beautiful reunion because uh, Tom and Alex started their career together. They learned the sales ropes together. So, you know, I'm looking forward to seeing how that is rekindled. Um, but as I said earlier, we're going to be talking about sales and marketing alignment. Um, and from my perspective, this is a conversation which has been going on within B2B marketing a lot. Um, I'm sure a lot of you are very, very familiar with those arguments which are made. You've heard both sides of the sort of the, the discussion point here. But what I want to try and do is to go beyond the sort of traditional conversation about how we can bring it together, but to ask a more fundamental question. And that is really, when all said and done, is it as big an issue as everyone described? And secondarily, is total alignment actually the answer to this particular conundrum. So to kick us off, I'm interested in the panel's thoughts on sales and marketing alignment. Is it as big an issue? Is it as big a problem as is made out? Freya, I'm going to start with you. What's your opinion? Thanks, Benny. So I think it really depends on your company size um, and the environment that you work in. I know the business that I work for at Headley Media, I don't believe we have an issue with sales and marketing alignment. We work in perfect harmony. Um, that's probably because we have management um, that run both departments in myself. Um, but I know a lot of the companies that we work with um, have challenges between sales and marketing alignment. And when it goes wrong, it goes really wrong. It goes wrong. I mean, we will explore about where it goes specifically wrong. But Tom, from your perspective, um, you know, is it an issue? And where do you see some of those misalignments starting to emerge? Yeah, I mean, I think it's a huge issue. I think that, you know, I've, I've been on the marketing team, I've been on the sales team, 
Yeah. And let's be honest, a lot of salespeople think that the marketing team don't do anything. We've all seen those memes about using crayons in the marketing team, maybe you're just coloring in. I think that that still exists, it's not, it's not gone anywhere. So the alignment piece is, is so important. I think it's an education thing, right? How do we let the sales team know that actually the marketing team do a lot more than just, just coloring in, you know? So it, it comes down to a lack of respect, is that what I'm sort of inferring from what you're describing there? I would agree with that. I don't know if the panel would, I don't know if the audience would, um, but people look down on marketing, right? I'm in the marketing team and I, I still see it now. Um, there is a lot of kind of, well, what are they doing? We are selling, it's tangible. Here's the dollar amount to the business. What are the marketing team actually doing? I think that's still a huge question for salespeople. So, Alex, let's get a sales perspective on that. Um, do you disrespect marketing, I suppose, is the question. <laughs> uh, being surrounded by marketers, I'm going to say no. Careful. Uh, just careful. Uh, but no, I do think Tom makes a good point. Like, I do think the misconceptions there. Part of it is just like the general culture of uh, like meme culture in its own right, or you follow Corp Bro and you see it's a constant ongoing like uh, kind of parody there. Um, I think the reality is, is that there are just different OKRs, there's different KPIs, and sometimes they don't align. Like marketing have a very clear mission, um, and sometimes that mission doesn't always translate into what sales wants to do. So now and again, that might cause a little bit of friction, but that's not something that can't be overcome. Like I personally see like sales and marketing should absolutely be really unified. Um, the end goal ultimately is for the company to succeed. So why would you be pulling apart from each other? Like it's an opportunity if it's not there to try and bridge those gaps, better understand those goals, those KPIs, OKRs, uh, and hopefully drive a bit more collaboration. Because when it's done well, it's done, you know, the results speak for themselves. And so just to continue on uh, Tom's idea here around sort of the lack of respect and then bring you in, Julia. Is that something which, well, first, firstly, do you recognize, but secondarily, like, what are marketing needing to do to actually really command the respect of sales? Yeah, that's a great question. I think, so overall, and I, I, was, I was thinking about an example when you brought this up, right? How often do you see in job descriptions when you hire a marketing person, you need to be able to work together cross-functionally with sales, for example? How often do you see that in sales roles? right? How you need to be able to work really well with marketing teams. And I think, you know, I, I don't see this myself. I think marketing is respected, but it comes back to really aligning the goals. If by the end you, you go to into the holiday season and marketing is cheering by the time we're on the 20th of December because we hit our lead goal, uh, but sales is still running until the 31st of December to hit their number, I think that's definitely where we're struggling, right? So we need to be able to align those goals up front. So, and I'm, I'm going to circle back in a minute to, I think that that really nice analogy you gave around the job description, and we're going to talk about the sort of the power dynamics, but just to firstly sort of continue that conversation around um, setting goals, which both can subscribe to, both can work together on. Freya, from your perspective and within you know, the environments that you've worked in, how does that goal setting, how is that approached? How is that implemented within organizations? Really and truly, I think it comes down to stakeholder engagement. So it's having representatives from both departments, as, and even now including finance as well, I think, into that conversation, because this um, 
environment is changing and they're getting involved as well when it comes to um, goals and objectives. So having that stakeholder engagement, having representatives from all departments at the beginning of when you are setting those goals and those objectives to make sure everyone's aligned. Mm -hmm. There is a part for every department to play in that and everybody understands the terminology, the language, you know, what's an MQL, what's an SQL, what's an SAL, all, all the other, you know, acronyms that we all like to throw around and they mean different things to different businesses. Um, and yeah, just getting that buy-in at the beginning is so important. And Tom, for you, I mean, coming from that, that position of being maligned, disrespected, cussed by, <laughs> by sales, how do you make sure that you get into that conversation, make sure that you are talking that common language and creating that sort of alignment? I think you have to, you have to keep in touch with both departments, right? The amount of times I've reached out to the sales team and asked them to share a piece of marketing content, and they've said to me, Tom, it's the end of the quarter. You know, and I'm kind of like, oh yeah, I didn't, I've kind of forgot. I've been out of sales now for, for two years. You've got a lot going on this week, right? So it's about keeping in touch, I think. Understanding what the sales team are working on, them understanding what the marketing team are working on so that they can be, um, as you talked about there, that, that alignment, you know? And I'm interested, I think I, I completely agree that there needs to be that common understanding and common vernacular when it comes to some of that specific terminology and some of the acronyms. But how important do you think that it's actually about being really clear about what the ultimate business goal is and laddering up and working on that level of abstraction rather than just simply operating in a sort of a metric sphere? Um, Who would like to, to take that? Alex, look, yeah, you look like you're, I, you're eager to I am eager, I am, mostly because my face is now on the screen now, Ooh, so I look saw, at that, uh, technology <laughs> people. Um, so yeah, I, the reason why I was smiling about that is there's a strategy that we deployed at Hootsuite, which I do feel like is uh, like the cornerstone of what success can look like when marketing and sales work together, and going to your point about data. The reason why I love data is data is very diplomatic. There's no personalities in data, it is what it is. And if everyone understands what the end mission is, then you can't really fight that. Um, so what we do to bridge the gap between the two is we deploy like an employee advocacy strategy where it's very clear that marketing have their end goal, which ultimately is create brand awareness or drive traffic to the website, whatever that mission may be. And sales teams need to go sell and hit their targets. So if those two can work together, where marketing are building curated content for sales teams to go out, so those sales teams then can become thought leaders and industry experts so that when they go out and build relationships and go sell, they can do so with more authority, then that's two, like, that's two functions coming together as one. And then when you can report on the metrics and the sales team can see that their direct contribution by sharing that content has led to said X amount website traffic, conversions, lead generation, whatever it may be, then everyone's actually singing from the same hymn sheet again. And you can use that data to drive better performance, greater adoption, and, and the circle continues. Indeed, and I, I can see you know this that, that like an advocacy program you, like you've just described there gets people singing from the same hymn sheet. But Julia, just to sort of you know go back to sort of what I was saying a second ago around um, being clear on what the ultimate business goal is. From your experience, if you were to ask somebody in sales and you were to ask somebody in marketing, respectively, what is the business goal that we're driving towards? How often would you get the same answer? So currently, I mean, at HubSpot, I have to say, uh, and I hope, I hope my counterpart from sales is here as well. We'll but test it. 
<laughs> I think so. So from my from my experience today is that we are very much aligned, right? Anything that we build from a strategy perspective, sales or marketing, is based on where we want to head as a company, which is generally everyone understands very clearly what those milestones are and how we need to get there. I think fundamentally it, it gets back and it comes back to the question, does everyone understand them, right? So what we tend to do, for example, is include everyone on an IC level, manager level, director level, and include them to understand what are the KPIs? What do they mean? And what does it mean if we don't hit them? Right? And why is it so important that not only marketing focuses on one part, but why is it so important that we all hit the number? Right? Again, coming back to the point where it's not about cheering from a marketing perspective, it's about cheering from a company perspective, that we achieve those goals together. And I think that to me, at this point in time, if I see it at HubSpot, works really, really well. And I think the, what you've described there is it's about people understanding what that contribution means and makes so people don't feel abstracted. From your experience, how can organizations go about that, um, that communication and then cascading that so everybody feels that they are working towards a, a common goal? What are the key things that companies need to get right? I think something that's really, really important is not having one kickoff meeting a year. So it's not starting the year with that meeting and everybody aligning, having that conversation, then let's not talk for 12 months and we'll see if we hit it or not. Instead, I think it's a, a continuous communication, a feedback loop, a, a cycle, if you will, where maybe having advocates from each department to say, okay, is this still the thing? Is this still the goal? Is this the objective? How's the market responding? How should that change and adapt? And feeding that back in from champions within departments um, and making sure that every new goal and objective, because we do have to change, we have to adapt as the time goes on, any new goal or objective is considered, is it meeting that original objective? Has that original objective changed? How does it sink back into that? And how does it all line up? And making sure that that communication isn't annually or even biannually, you know, making sure it's much more frequent than that. Obviously, slightly more difficult in larger businesses. Um, so then you've got internal employee marketing. Um, that's a really important thing, I think, in a larger size company to make sure that they're also realistic goals. That's really important, is that that buy-in is happening at the beginning and the goals that are being set, the overarching business goals are realistic and achievable. Julie, I can see that you are eager to jump in on yeah, the back of that. Because, because this just raises some, a thought that I have as well. It, is, it really comes back to a level of flexibility, right, as a marketer. And I think that sometimes we forget that. Because when you, th when you look at the, the marketing teams that we have, we're very much set in stone about our plans, right? We have quarterly plans. We do this in January. We do that in February. And, and sales works differently because you have your pipeline. And there's a pipeline gap. And marketing needs to jump on that pipeline gap. And I think being able to offer that flexibility as well as marketing teams will, will bring them closer together because it means that you understand each other a little bit more and that you're there for each other to help out. So I think that's super important. Thought about that. And I would absolutely agree around the understanding. And I, I, I want to take it back to, I sort of talked about the power dynamics earlier, and I think that your um, example of a job application is a beautiful illustration of the potential imbalances which exist. Um, how would you guys assess the power balance between sales and marketing at the moment? Um, I'm going to come to Tom first on that. Yeah, I think, I think it goes back to what I was saying about kind of salespeople, especially at a sales level, you know, who were 
the ones who are making the cold calls and who are getting the deals signed, they can attribute revenue to, to their work. So when we talk about that, that power shift, it's, it's tough because you know, a marketer can't tell you how many dollars they've, they've brought in. And I know that because people ask me <laughs> that question from my content on LinkedIn. Tom, what does your content actually do for us? And I, I don't have a, a monetary value for that, but I think it's about understanding what all the departments are doing and not necessarily going, well, just because I can't put a, a dollar figure on it doesn't mean it doesn't add value to the, to the business, you know. And Alex, salesperson, yeah. <laughs> what's your perspective on the power dynamics? Yeah. You're just going to have a right of reply in a minute, so. Uh, no, of course, of course. Um, I mean, I think it also, like, it's going to vary on the size of your organization as well. Um, typically, like, when you do work in very large enterprise organizations, there's so many different missions, different departments, different directives, different leaders. I do feel that obviously uh, prevents, uh, well, it does create challenges, but that being said, I, I mean, from my side and my experience, yeah, like the power dynamic is very, it's very fair. I think Tom makes a good point. It is really difficult when you're always asked to like tie a dollar to it, like even being at this conference and we've got a stand here. And you know, if someone said at a leadership level, well, how much business did that generate? And you could say, well, how do I put a value on a human interaction and an exchange? Like one touch point doesn't necessarily lead to a conversion, right? But marketing are the ones that have supported sales to be here today to build those relationships. Mm. And I think, I think it has changed. Uh, I do think there is a lot more like, respect between the two of those, uh, two of those uh, departments. And uh, the only other thing I would say, one thing I've really noticed is that when you bring in um, direct marketing and then you have sales, but you start to bring in product marketing a lot more, I'm really beginning to see that salespeople get so much more invested in the marketing initiatives when it comes to the product that ultimately they're going out to try to sell to make more money. So just seeing product marketing play a bigger relationship in that wider conversation when you're trying to bridge those gaps is something I've seen to be particularly successful at the moment. So you showed some great dexterity there in terms of how you answered that question, which is you said that you think it's fair. What you didn't say is what you think the power balance is. So in your assessment Ooh. at the moment, <laughs> um, is, there, you know, is, it, is there a hierarchy between sales and marketing? Um, and if so, which is taking precedent? Which and remember, you said it's fair. Which, so. which, which is the which, best? Which is best? <laughs> which is best? Tell us. You can't have sales without marketing. That's the diplomatic answer. I do think transparently, like, probably sales does take precedence. I do think it's ultimately the one that brings in the money. Um, and that's what is tangible. That's what leadership teams, that's what shareholders can look at. Are you performing? Are you not? Can you do it without marketing? Absolutely not. Is the dynamic more essential than ever to get right? Yes, completely. There we go. We, 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 got, we got him to come down one side of the fence. And I, I promised Julian that she was going to have right of reply. So I'm yeah. sure she's been formulating her rebuttal to you or potential rebuttal. Um, Julia, how would you analyze that power dynamic? And I suppose, is it fair? Depends on the part of the quarter that you're in. I think, no. I, look, I think there's still, there's still definitely a, a, a bit of a power dynamic. And I think it, it is towards sales in, in many organizations still, right? Um, and, and if you think about it, it's understandable, right? Because ultimately, they can tie it directly to dollars, right? They're bringing in the revenue. 
But if you think about it, customer experience is becoming increasingly important. We know that. So the longer your sales cycle, it becomes important to understand where your customers have been. Have they downloaded specific pieces of content? Have they been at certain events? So you do see that balance equaling out a little bit more. So yeah, as much as sales is still, I think, on the leading hand in many organizations, I think we're seeing the importance of them being, being equaled out more and more. Absolutely. And, and from my sort of perspective, now there's that, that stat which is always trotted out, which I think originally came from serious decisions, which is around how over time, um, the point at which a potential buyer engages a salesperson is getting later and later within the buying decision. Um, now that would suggest that there is a trend where actually that power dynamic starts to balance towards marketing. Yeah. Um, so Frey, well, looking forward, what do you think that, um, that equilibrium needs to be between sales and marketing, if we're going to be looking at it from a power dynamic perspective? From a power dynamic perspective, I think it needs to even out to a degree. I think um, speaking from someone who has a marketing background and has now moved into the dark side of sales. Um, I think it's important that revenue and sales drives businesses, right? That, as you've all said, you put the dollar bills against sales, but there is an opportunity for marketing to contribute towards attribution. So yeah. as long as businesses are taking that on board, they're investing in software and development where they are able to track the full reader journey or sorry, the full buyer's journey, um, it's going to only support marketing's cause as to the value of the business. Um, that's not to say there might not be a feud between, no, no, I closed the deal. Yes, but what's happened before that? To your point, uh, the B2B buyer, I read an article the other day, 60, 70% of the journey is happening independently. So we've got, we've got the self-made buyer now who's coming through and they're only going to raise their hand when they are ready to speak to sales. They've already done heaps of research. Um, especially within the B2B environment, especially within the B2B tech environment, even more so. So marketing have to have a play, play a part in that journey. Um, and as a salesperson, I'd say I certainly can't do it without our marketing department. I mean, that was beautiful. Thank you. So, um, <laughs> but, you know, potentially we are seeing the rise of marketing and the demise of sales. You know, let's uh, potentially <laughs> infer that. Um, but let, let's play a little bit of an exercise, which is to build the um, revenue team of the future. Um, in your guys' perspective, what does it need to look like within B2B specifically? And I suppose that the different scenarios are that you have one integrated function under a chief revenue officer, or does it need to keep separate? So we have a CMO with a seat at the table and we have someone who is a CRO maybe at the seat of the table. Tom, from your perspective, what do you think the direction of travel is? Yeah, I was hoping you wouldn't throw to me for this one, to be honest, because I've got someone to my right who I think might answer that question a little bit more succinct. So rather than try and convince 300 people that I know what I'm talking about, do you want to talk about sea level? Because I think that yeah. I've worked with Alex for a long time. I think he's going to this answer is, this, this really well. This is the reunion in action. <laughs> this is the reunion, yeah. I was going to say, I think the, the key clearly is me and Tom haven't seen each other for six years. So this is a very special moment right now, the fact that we're both on this panel together side by side. Um, but I think like, actually that insight, isn't it? You went from sales to marketing, yeah. you can help bridge that gap. And is there a world where there needs to be more of those like, interchangeable skill sets where sales goes and spends more time sitting at the table with marketing yeah. and vice versa? Does there need to be a hybrid role where the accountability sits on both sides? So that one individual, that one team has got an invested interest, maybe. 
Um, the CMO, you know, CRO debate is one that I think is very, very personal to the company. Uh, I've experienced both uh, to both degrees of success. I really think it depends on where you are uh, as a company and your maturity. Uh, I do like having a CRO. I do think that like that top level accountability uh, on both sides and having an invested interest on both sides is really, really important. But obviously, we have industry specialists and, and role specialists for a reason. And you know, no one should try and take that away. So I'd certainly never dismiss the idea of not having. I mean, again, CLC, per perfect CMI. diplomacy. So I'm going I'm to push you. So if you do have this option where you've got a CRO, should the CRO come from a marketing or sales background? Oh, <laughs> I'm a very diplomatic person, so I find trouble with this. Um, it says it in the title, Chief Revenue Officer, which would me would still indicate that sales is probably a, a good like financial backing. Uh, like, well, I guess like a background would be helpful. But if they've also dabbled in the marketing space, that would be wonderful as well. You just saved yourself a bit of diplomacy, <laughs> but there's a beautiful deja vu here where you've given an answer and now we give Julia <laughs> the right to reply. So Julia, I mean, you can react any way you want to what Alex has just said there, but I think you know, going back to that question, what do you think the structure needs to look like in the future? Yeah, so I have to agree. I, I mean, I have to agree to the extent that I think it works best if you have them under one team and have a CRO. Now, that being said, there is, at some organizations, a benefit of having both, having a CMO and having a chief sales officer, simply because it's really hard to find a CRO that has experience at both. Yeah. So to your second question, does it need to be someone with a sales experience or with, revenue, with marketing experience? Ideally, you want someone who has both. Yeah. And you're not going to find that, right? So it really depends also on the people that you hire them within that team to make sure that you trust them well enough for you to be leading their decisions and to taking that back to the, to the C-level team, to the CEO, right? If you yeah. don't, if you can't, then try to, to keep it separate so you have representation of both parties. Yeah. Can I ask a question? Okay. Uh, we go for it. Do you, do you think that salespeople would respect a CRO who has a marketing background? Ooh. That's a very good question. Thank I'd, you. I'd love to. I'd love to hear everyone's opinion on that, to be honest, <laughs> uh, and also maybe the audience. No, yeah, I think. Um, I, I think yes, provided that they have someone that they work with directly, so a VP who is a very strong and unique representation of the field, so sales, right? So a VP of marketing and a VP of sales between that that would really be able to support that. Yeah, it will take some change management. I'm not going to lie. Um, coming back to the, the job description, right? Uh, there's, there's not much asks for people, for salespeople who have worked with marketing on their, their roles. So there's, there's some work to be done there. I mean, I think that your proposal of putting it to the audience is actually a great one. So this is completely impromptu, but can I get a show of hands of those people that think that um, a CRO from a marketing background would be respected by the sales team. Can I get a show of hands for people that would be respected? <laughs> Just one guy like this. Just one. Yeah. And he went, no, actually. No. Okay. Um, <laughs> I mean, embarrassingly, I actually can count that on probably one hand, um, which I think is quite shocking. Yeah. Uh, it really is quite shocking. Yeah, Fred, yeah. what's your reaction to the result that we've just seen from our live poll? I have to agree with it. Wow. I think it's, that's not from I wouldn't respect. You know, I come from a marketing background. I'm in a global sales director role. So, you know, I, it's not that I wouldn't respect it. But I think this is the current climate that we live in. This is the environment that we are working within. And I think 
by only by having stronger alignment within departments do we build that mutual respect. That mutual respect also comes from understanding, it comes from educating, it doesn't just come from supporting the sales department and being at the mercy of the sales department. I do not agree with that whatsoever. Um, but I think the reality is, is this, this, how many people here are marketing people and how many people here are sales people? Both. There are a few of us, yeah. there are a few of us around, but yeah, I think I have to agree with the audience. Well, I mean, it's been, that's a real, real insight, actually. And I think the way that I'd like to close our conversation before I think we have some time for questions, but we shall see how I get shepherded by timekeeping over there. Um, what do, what do marketing, so we talk, we've talked about the importance of alignment, and clearly that's part of it in terms of earning respect, but what specifically do you think that marketing need to do to earn that respect, to justify taking on a CRO role. Now, I'll, I'll loop back to you just because you've spoken, so you will get an opportunity to, to give that, but Tom, what do you think that marketers need to do to earn that respect? I think it's about bringing the story of what you're doing as a department to life. So what I've had a lot as a sales guy was an email every month from the marketing team with 50 things that they've done and I understand about 14 of those things, you know? So how can I, as a salesperson, go, that looks really good? I think there are a couple of ways to, to bring that to life. I mean, you know, I'm a big fan of video. Yeah. I, I see a world where we have almost like a Netflix of departments, and we all get to tell stories of what we're doing. I think that's how we engage now. I know that's how I engage. And I think it's a really good way. I think video is a really strong tool to actually bring to life what you're doing departmentally, rather than here's a load of bullet points, you know, that you maybe won't even read. So we've got storytelling and ultimately marketing to the sales team. Mm. Alex, from your perspective, what, what do you want to see to gain that respect? I mean, Tom said that perfectly. I love that analogy. I'm not going to steal it, but I might steal it. You will. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think it is like ultimately it's experiences and, it, and it's proof, right? And I think um, the ultimate respect would be is if it was someone from a marketing background going into that CRO position, the ideal would have been that maybe they'd lived a period of their career on the other side, on that sales side. They'd, take, they'd gone into it, they'd seen how it operated, they understand the pressures that sales teams face. They understand the severity of how important it is to make that target or not make that target, and then to have transitioned back into a marketing role and then have gone, okay, now I'm gonna blend those two insights into this new one. Because I will tell you this, I guarantee I've seen more people transition into sales from marketing and customer success roles and been hyper successful than I've seen from sales go into marketing. Mm. And I think that's because if you have experience in marketing and customer success, you actually genuinely know that the audience that you're selling to, particularly in B2B, you understand them, you are them, and then you can have a connection with them which is so much stronger than maybe a salesperson that, that hasn't lived in their shoes trying to convince them why that piece of technology or what your solution does yeah. works for them. I mean, that is, that's a nice silver lining that marketing makes better salespeople. So we'll, yeah. we'll, we'll, yeah, we'll yeah, work with I that. Do. I um, <laughs> Julia, what, what are your thoughts? What's, what's that single thing that marketing needs to do? I'm a pretty practical person, so I'm gonna give a very practical tip. The number one thing I normally say to my team when I join is attend demos, attend customer calls, because sales are your eyes and ears to the market. And I'm only as good as the, the conversation and, and the, the stories that I get about the customer from my sales team. So 
go in and talk to sales and ask them to make you part of their, their journey, right? Attend a deal from A to Z. Understand the process, where you can help, where there's gaps, where you can increase the conversion rates with events, with content. With That to me is definitely one of the, I would say the most practical tips I could give right now. Excellent, Freya, I said that you were gonna get another, another go. What, what do you want to see? I think communicate. Now, that could be in many different channels, many different forms. You said about the email that you might not understand exactly what that is. Include a video, as you said. Attend calls. Yep. Uh, ask the sales team to record their pitches, for example. Um, and just communicate. Build a rapport with the sales department. Don't work as enemies and instead try and build that unison together. I, I, I like that. And I like the sort of... The different answers that we've got there, but I think what's really coming out for me is, is that you've got to, when we talk about li alignment, it's properly understanding one another and actually having that lived experience of the other yeah. side, which is, is so, so key. Definitely. Now, I'm going to be really ambitious given the time that I've just been had flashed up and just to <laughs> see if we do have any burning questions from the audience. We're going to keep them quick fire, but we'll give it a go. Hello <laughs> and good afternoon. Thank you for that, by the way. Um, I am coming from an old school sales background, so we're talking like steak and cigar selling. <laughs> oh, wow. And now I'm a marketing manager in the um, channel marketing arena. Woo! Yeah. Thank you Hi. very much. Working with the sales department, very ABM. Now, recently, I'm looking at setting expectations. So there's a webinar going on, let's say, and there's an email going out and they've got a follow-up. Now, they expected us in the marketing department to do all the follow-up calls, even though they have the relationship. Where do you sit with ex setting expectations? Mm. I project my voice. Who would like to take that? Anyone? I can, I can tell how I would do it. But, yeah. Go, Julia. All right. So if I understand correctly, just to rephrase, you are looking for guidance on how to set expectations on follow-up after a webinar, right? Is that correct? For example, a follow-up on an event. I think that comes back to really trying to convey also the, the, the benefit of having that webinar in the first instance or, or an event towards sales and towards the counterparts, right? You're not organizing it for your marketing team. You're organizing it for the greater good of the company and for achieving ultimate growth. And I think as soon as you're able to convey that message in an email, in a good conversation with sales, then explaining to them how important it is to follow up on certain accounts yourself will automatically follow. So I think it comes back very cliche ultimately to communication. Wonderful. I'm just looking at the back. Am I going to get threatened to be booted off? Am I allowed one more question? I'm allowed one more question. There we go. So, right, Tanya, choose. Hi there. Um, quick question. Um, do you think marketing teams should receive commission when they get leads coming in through the door? Yes. <laughs> yes. Next question. Definitely. <laughs> Okay, we have a pretty sort of uh, unequivocal yes there. Um, what's the panel's consensus? Maybe we just do a quick yes, no. D should marketing get commission? Comes down to attribution, so agree. to a degree, potentially. Well, couch starts to that. You've already <laughs> said yes. My wife would definitely think that marketers who create content should get commission if their content does well, yes, certainly. Sounds like a degree of bias, but it's a yes. <laughs> Alex? 
Yeah, I'm going to say if it, if it drives the great good for the business and it inspires, then 100%. Yeah. How you would do it would be an absolute nightmare. Oh, yeah. It would cause so many debates. It's already so hard to do yeah. like attribution already. Yeah. But in theory, yeah, I think it would be very beneficial. And last word to you, Julia, as well. I'm going to agree. Yeah, if you can actually measure it, yes. And I appreciate the complexity that I think would be involved in actually apportioning that in a way which is perceived to be equitable as, as much as anything else. So, I mean, thanks, guys, for um, this conversation. I think it's been enormously interesting. I think the, the two things that stand out to me is, one, it's being really, really clear about what you're trying to achieve as a business and getting every department, whether that's sales and marketing or beyond that, to all be working towards that common goal. You have a common goal and you have that common understanding, you can go a long way. I think the second thing when we talk about alignment, for me, yes, there is the, the communication aspect. Yes, there is using the same you know, vernacular as we talked about. But I think that what is going to be most telling is to get more exchange in terms of marketing working in sales, sales working in marketing. And I think the more that we can foster those opportunities within organizations, the stronger that we will be in the results we see um, in terms of at an organizational level, but also in terms of a career progression perspective, I think that's a hugely enabling. And I think that that is the way that we will get to a point where marketing would be respected if they're stepping into that CRO role and we would get beyond the paltry three or four hands that we had raised last time. So anyway, thanks very, very much. It's been enormously interesting and thanks very much, everybody. For Thank you. Coming. Thank you. B2B Marketing, The Provocative Truth is brought to you by Allen Agency. To find out more, head to allen-agency.com. You can stream B2B Marketing The Provocative Truth on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or anywhere else great podcasts are found. And don't forget to click subscribe to ensure you don't miss out on any future episodes. On behalf of the team here at Allen, thanks for listening.